Good morning. It is so good to see you this morning, to be able to worship with you as uh, Pastor Kyle welcomed you. I also want to just say a, uh, a word of welcome and um, let you know how grateful I am that you would gather together and worship with us this morning. My name is Ryan, one of the pastors here at City Church, and um, I'm going to share, uh, I'll remind you of this at the very end, but just as a means of making an announcement while I'm welcoming you, um, if you're a guest with us or if you're newer to our church, um, one of the things that, uh, as Kyle referenced, we're really passionate about is that this church, uh, church is a family, and we want to know you, and as we continue to grow, that gets harder for us to do that, and so we do something called City Church 101, where we have a lunch uh, right after this service, and so I just want to invite you to stick around uh, for lunch and uh, let us get to know you. And if you have been here maybe for a little bit and you're thinking, I would like to move forward uh, in terms of church membership and, and uh, partnering with the ministry here at City Church, um, then I'll just encourage you, this is the first step. This is, you should go to this class because then you can get to know a little bit uh, of us more personally. Um, and this will kind of be a prep for you to move into that place. But regardless of where you're at, even if you just want to get to know some other believers, some other guests, uh, get to know one another and get to know our leadership team, um, stick around for for lunch this afternoon. We love an opportunity to meet you. We have been in a study in the Sermon on the Mount, and at the close of uh, last week, the, the last verse that we referenced was Matthew 6, chapter 33, verse 33, chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. He had just previously taught through this section where he had dealt with this pursuit of wealth and putting our treasure on things here on earth rather than on the kingdom. And Jesus said, don't do that. Don't allow yourself to be consumed with trying to build your kingdom here on earth, but rather trust me and work to build the kingdom of God and trust that the things of earth will, in a sense, sort of take their rightful place and take care of themselves. Right after that teaching, for those that aren't wealthy, those that didn't really have any treasure and might have felt to themselves, well, Jesus, I appreciate what you're telling me about where I should put my treasure, but I really don't feel like I have any treasure. Um, and so he says to those, you might become anxious, you might become overly concerned, that word anxious, meaning overly, unduly concerned about gathering wealth, about building up something here on earth. And he says to you, don't be anxious of those things, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. If you put your attention and your focus on the kingdom of God, if that's where our hope is, that's where we sort of cast our mind constantly, regularly, daily even, that the rest of life would in some ways take care of itself. Jesus isn't saying that we're not going to be free of pain or challenge or insulated from the challenges of this world, but it gives us a perspective, a proper perspective to think and as Danny read Isaiah chapter 11, it gives us a vision of what God is ultimately doing. Sometimes you might wonder to yourself, what is God doing in the world? Where is he? How is he active? What is the purpose of all that we're doing? Why do we gather together on Sunday mornings even? What is the point of everything? Well, Isaiah 11 is a prophecy that tells us the point of everything. If you really think about all the things that we seek after, I just ask you to consider this week alone. What are the things that you have been dreaming about? What are the things that have occupied your thought, your mind space? What has consumed you? What have you given your life to in terms of time and energy? What are those things, those pursuits that sort of keep you going? And if I think about my own life, and so often I 
consider the lives of other friends and all of us, I think, all of those dreams, all of those pursuits are way too small. The world says, dream bigger, just do it, pursue. It, it says to chase after everything. But all of the things that the world says to just do, to dream, to pursue, are all very small things. Because most of them, most every single one of those things that would occupy our thoughts and keep us and have, give us that focus are going to turn to dust. The only thing that will last into eternity is the kingdom of God. And so often I think we just look and we just think we, we, we live our lives focused on something, the things that are too small. And so as we look at this prophecy from Isaiah, it helps us to remember the big kingdom of God and what he is doing. Can you imagine? Do you know that this is a future reality? That the lion and the lamb will lay down together. I don't know about you. I've been to Kenya with our mission teams before. I've seen the lions. I've been very up close to them. I cannot envision them eating straw. That just seems like something that would be very shocking to me, to see a lion eating a vegetable. Very much like most of our children. It just would not really ever, it would just be very strange. Or can you imagine your infant, your infant, your still nursing infant, young, baby, playing with a cobra? Or your younger child, just maybe a few weeks, months older than that, sticking their hand in the adder's den? This is the future. This is the new earth. This is what God is doing. One day, all of us through who believe in Christ, who have put our faith in Christ, will be welcomed into the new heaven and the new earth, and all sin and ultimately all death will be no more, and there will be ultimate peace as we have perfect fellowship with God. This is when we talk about the kingdom, as Jesus has been teaching us all throughout the Sermon on the Mount about the kingdom of God and how we become citizens of that kingdom and what we're called to do as citizens of the kingdom of God, how we're to live our lives, all of that is pointing to this future day that Isaiah told us about. One day, all that you see will be no more and what you will experience will be miraculous and it will be perfect. It will be just like the garden once more, that is what God is doing. And here is the amazing thing. We get to be a part of that now. So often we put that future hope out there, that desire, those dreams, those things that are in our future. And we, we might know of them cognitively. We sort of process them a little bit in our minds. Maybe, most of us, maybe not ever even think about that. But that, if we do, that's all that it's, it, it, it occupies for us, just this sort of, this is out there in the world. One day, I know that that's what God's going to do. But God is inviting us today. He has allowed us, he's given us the opportunity to be involved in that kingdom building process today. We are a part of it now. That's the amazing thing. So I wanna show you a video right now. We are a part, as you heard Kyle reference, of the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. Acts 29 is not a denomination, but is a network of churches, global churches that have connected together and committed together to see the kingdom of God built here on earth. To see, as Isaiah says, the earth filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the seas. 
Can you imagine the knowledge of God, the glory of God being known all over the world? That's the hope of the Acts 29 Church Planning Network that we are a part of. And I want to just show you this video. So you who may have not ever heard of Acts 29, you might know a little bit about the network that we're involved in. churches worshiping in 50 countries with nearly 30 languages and we are committed to planting healthy multiplying churches in every corner of the world god is a global god and that he works through different ethnicities and cultures and languages around the world being faithful to god's great commission is to make disciples and to plant churches churches characterized by theological clarity cultural engagement and missional innovation we believe that uh, the church is God's primary mission strategy for establishing his kingdom and his presence on earth. We want to reach people with the gospel, and our reach is amplified through Acts 29 as a network, so more people will know and worship him. Each one of our members has been blessed by all the training that we have received as planters. We want our church to be a praying church are also a church that disciples others. This is what we do and this is who we are. We are people who plant churches. So Acts 29 accomplishes its mission uh, primarily through three things. By assessing potential church planters. We provide continued assistance for churches and leaders through coaching, trainings, and also relational connection. We get to collaborate with the whole Bride of Christ to plant churches, not only just in our areas, but we partner globally to plant churches. And as we partner together with Acts 29, with churches around the world, our efforts are multiplied and the God is glorified when we work together as a church. This is Acts 29. 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 You can see 700 churches all over the globe speaking 30 different languages, all worshiping the one true king, citizens of the kingdom of God that we will worship together, that we might not meet in person until eternity. But that is what God is doing. Some of you might remember from our men's and women's Bible study, we were in the book of Acts a little bit last year, and we talked, I know, in both groups a lot about the Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that went and moved through the book of Acts that we read as Paul went on his various missionary journeys, planting churches. That same Holy Spirit is at work today, building the kingdom, planting churches, allowing God's, the knowledge of God, the glory of God to spread all over the globe. That's why we're called Acts 29, because it's just a continuation of what God was doing that we read in the, in the book, which is only 28 chapters, if you didn't know. The 29th chapter is being written now. We are a part of that story. And so we get to be a part of God's work and his building of the kingdom here on earth, even now. What an amazing thing to see Poland, India, Mexico, North Carolina, California, New York City, all over this nation and all over the world, people coming to know Christ, hearing of the gospel. This is what it means to be focused on the kingdom and to have our attention drawn to the kingdom, to the kingdom work and building the kingdom of God. 
And so it's right, and we paused this Sunday, and uh, uh, collectively all 700 churches, one of the things that we're doing together as we established this day, it's the first time we've ever done this as a network, but said we're all going to rejoice Praise God for what he's doing and also ask him to do more and ask us to better understand our purpose as a church and as a network of churches in taking the gospel wherever we might be sent. If we look at Colossians chapter 1, we get to see a little bit of this story. We're going to turn there in just a moment. But I'll tell you my own story related to Acts 29 just so you can get sort of a tangible sort of evidence of how this church planning network and how collaborating together with other churches helps the kingdom build, be built. Many years ago, probably 15 plus years ago, I began to wrestle with a call to vocational ministry of leaving what I was doing in employment and God calling me to pursue this life and pursue pastoral ministry. And so I uh, had been wrestling with that for some time and sort of pushing back a little bit. Honestly, I'll just tell you, I didn't really think that I was what I wanted to do. I very much enjoyed the life that God had given us and allowed our family to be. And I was like, I don't really want all of that burden and all of that stress. Um, and so I uh, pushed back a little bit, but in the Lord's kindness, he allowed me to sort of pursue or kind of, um, he kept pushing on me. And so one day in my office, um, I opened my computer up and Whatever preceded Google, I don't know, AOL search engine, I typed in on the screen. I have really no idea. All I was doing was teaching the Bible in a local church um, and, and just trying to be a faithful believer like many of you, like so many of you in this room. So I typed in how to start a church. Because God had just sort of impressed my heart, and I can't tell you where that really came from. All I can just, the, really the only thing I can re relate it to in my own story is the Holy Spirit just somehow, and I'm sure I'd heard that language somewhere, but I really had no reference point. But that's what I typed into the search engine. And in God's providence, what popped up was Acts 29, a church planning network that had been started in the Pacific Northwest, was hosting a meeting within a couple of months in Flower Mound, Texas. And so I said... I guess I'll go to this. It was called a boot camp. Some of you know I'm a Marine, so I'm like, all right, I'm in. We're going to go get some training. I'll get prepared. I'll walk out. We'll have a new church started within weeks. <laughs> Fifteen years ago. Wrestled with that. Showed up to that gathering. Met a number of brothers who still to this day are my friends who began to encourage me, to walk with me, to show me what it looks like to, to step into pastoral ministry, to just flesh out my calling, to assess me, to say this is where you need to grow, these are challenges, these are things you need to do, all of that ultimately, which led to us coming to Melissa, Texas. Some of you know that story. I'll tell it in City Church 101 if you don't know that story, so that's my teaser to get you to come to lunch. And uh, we came here gathered with a number of other faithful families that said, we want to see the kingdom of God here in Melissa as it is in heaven. And so we began this labor of love and this work and gathering people from this community and surrounding communities to be with us and to come. And so you're here very much because of the work of Acts 29 and their collaboration with me and investment in me personally and our family. That continues now. And now I get to be on the other side of that where I get to sit down with church planters just a number of months ago, got to sit down and assess guys that were coming up in ministry and feeling a call to planting. And we sit down with them and we do the very same thing. We help them see, here's some challenges, here's some roadblocks, these are some things. We give them coaching and training. We come alongside them. Financially, our church gives a number of, a, a, a great percentage of our missions dollars goes to planting other churches here in the States and abroad, wherever God might call us to do that. 
I've had the opportunity most recently in the last probably three months. I was able to connect with a brother in northern Kenya. His name is uh, Stephen. Stephen and his wife Esther, and we have a picture of them. I'll show you. Stephen is the gentleman, the center of that picture in the white shirt, the tallest one. His wife is to the right. Esther, that's her in the purple. And they're planting a church in northern Kenya amongst a people group called the Rendile people. This is an amazing thing. Let me just tell you how big God is. Just not too long ago, the Rendile people in Kenya did not have God's word in their native language. And so with some Bible translators, there's work that happens all over the globe where people are giving their lives to translate and give people the Bible in their own language so they can read God's word in their own language. And so it's not too long ago that the Rendile people received their own Bibles in their own language. We have a family that has recently begun attending here at City Church, Don and Paula Wagner, and they have worked in Bible translation and ministry for a number of years. He came up to me after the 930 service. He says, I worked on the Rindile People Project translating the Bible so that Stephen and Esther would have Bible in their own words. You see how big God is? In Melissa, Texas, there's a couple that lives here, a part of City Church Melissa that was planted seven years ago, who did the work so that a pastor that we partner with and support could have the Bible in his own language. He texts me at least once a week, sends me a message through Facebook Messenger. Pray for me. I get the opportunity to preach the gospel 10 times today, he says. He travels all around sharing the gospel with the people. It's an amazing thing, and they're seeing the fruit of the gospel. You saw images in that video Poland, India, people worshiping Jesus in places in the world where they should not be able to worship Jesus if not for the power of God going out. And we are a part of that. We, by an extension, through our gifts financially, through our support, through our prayers, we get to be a part of that. It's an amazing thing. And even here at home, you saw Imago Day in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here in Collin County, we have two other Acts 29 church plants Citizens Church in Plano, the Parks Church in McKinney. Obviously, we have a very close brother sisterhood with them. We want to plant more. We want to see God do more, which takes me to Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We, thank, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven... Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. I'm gonna pause there. Colossae was a smaller town. One commentator says about the letter to Colossians that it's probably written to the most um, unknown people in all of the Bible or the most underwhelming city. You have Ephesus and Corinth. You have these big cities, but Colossae was not really that significant. As I read all about Colossae and have studied on that, it's often reminded me of Melissa, where I travel periodically around even just the nation and ask people, hey, where are you from? Melissa, Texas. Interesting, have no idea where that is, never heard of that place. I have, okay, Dallas, drive north about 30 miles, that's where we're at, and they get a reference point for it. But in some ways, this is, there's a little bit of a mirror there, but Epaphras was the one who most likely planted this church in Colossae. It's what is referenced there in verse 7. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He was likely converted 
in Ephesus. So he had gone up to Ephesus. Paul had come to Ephesus, had begun to preach the gospel there. He meets Epaphras, shares the gospel with him. We don't know all of the details of that story, but we know that he became a, a beloved servant working with Paul in Ephesus. And after being converted, coming to faith in Christ, hearing the gospel, what does it say about Paul writing this letter to this church that now Epaphras has planted? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. This is the message that Epaphras has delivered to these saints as he has gone and he has planted this church. One of the things as we look at Epaphras and we consider his story, what little we know of it, it is so clear to us, it becomes very clear that when we hear the gospel, it does something. Yes, we know And I believe if you don't know Jesus this morning, I pray that you might hear the gospel, you might hear this message of truth, and you might believe in it. But when we do hear the gospel, when we believe, when we're transformed by the gospel, we have to do something with it. We're compelled to do something. This is what Epaphras must have felt like. He's in Ephesus, the big city, serving under Paul, Imagine having the opportunity. I can just tell you, if I had a chance to go serve under Paul, I'd be like, sign me up. Love you, City Church, but I'm gonna go hang out with Paul for a little bit. I'd be there in a heartbeat. He, gets to, he is there with him, and yet, because of his love for his hometown, because of his love for his community, because of his love for them and his desire that they might know this same gospel message, they might know the truth, he has to go. This is what's amazing when we read What Paul is writing to this church, since we heard of your faith, and guess what their faith was in? Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So often, what this world sells us, what this world tells us, what we hear in our own hearts and minds are the lies of the enemy. The gospel is the truth. And Epaphras, compelled because he had heard the gospel, because he had believed, he wanted, he needed, he had to take the truth to his town, to his neighbors, to his friends. You know, I think you think about the things that we engage in. I'm sure yesterday, many of you did some shopping. Perhaps you heard of a sale, 20% off, 30% off, some big sale. Laurel, you know, she likes to tell me how much she saved. Well, you spent, but it's okay. You saved some money. Right? And when you hear about that sale, when you walk into the store and you see, hey, they're 30% off, this is half off, or you get the little advertisement wherever you might see it, what do you do? You go and tell all your friends, hey, this is big sales happening. We're going to share this. We want, to, we want everybody to hear about it. We go out and tell everyone that the sale is on. Or perhaps maybe you're not much of a shopper, but you get a product, you get something, you Find something that brings you joy, that you really love, a place that you like to go, a, a product that you like to use, some tool that just works. Have you, you know, amazing, this drill, just, it, it, it's better than any other drill that there ever was. I don't know whatever, you know, gets you excited. But whatever that is, when you find it, when you acquire it, when you go to that new place, what do we do? We go out and we tell everyone. We communicate that. We share that with others. Or maybe, think back. Husbands and wives, do you remember when you fell in love? Look to one another right now and just remember for a moment that day. Yeah, there you go. You remember what you felt 
When you fell in love, guys, you know you did it too. Don't be shy. You went and you told all your friends. You told everybody, I met someone. I know someone. This is this person. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to marry him. We get excited and we share it with others. And I want you to consider this. The God of the universe who had every right to condemn us, to say, you have sinned and you can have no part of me, loved you and I enough to send his only son who laid down his life, taking on that wrath of God so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters. This is the truth and this is amazing news. And when we hear that, if we believe it, when it, can, when it just overwhelms our hearts and our souls, we can't do anything but be compelled to go and to share it, to tell others of the amazing news. This is what happens when we believe, when we're converted. Some of you might remember that time. It's been so long ago. You remember in your early days when you first came to faith in Christ, how excited you were, how passionate you were for his word, how excited you were to share it with everyone. And sadly, too often, it's like we get over the most amazing fact that could ever be told, that we have been redeemed by an almighty God. We have been made new, and we should never, ever get over it. And when we live that way, when our hearts and minds are so focused, seeking the kingdom of God with our attention our, our, our dreaming, our hopes anchored to the kingdom of God, it changes everything that we do and we begin to share it. This is what Epaphras did. So he went to Colossae and he shared the gospel and there was a church planted and people were converted and they believed. Isaiah says that the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Epaphras took a few steps of faith, believing in the gospel through faith, what Christ had done for him, and he had enough faith to believe that he could go to his hometown, he could share that truth, and God would use him. God would minister and reach people through him. That's because that's what God is doing. He is doing it, and he allows us, invites us even, to be a part of what he is doing. This has to be our aim. This should be our focus. And if we think about it, what God did in Colossae, what God has done here in Melissa, in our community, some 2,000 years later, he's still at work. He is doing it now. One soul, one life at a time. So we can trust, we can believe that our efforts, our, our hopes, our dreaming, it's not in vain. We're not just trying to, we're not looking for something that is, sort of out there that we aren't really sure about. We can see the evidence of it. God's vision that he gave Isaiah, we get to see a glimpse of that even now as people come to faith in Christ. This is why Paul says that we have not ceased to pray for you. And what did he pray in verse 9? And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge Isaiah's prophecy, the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Paul's prayer as he writes to this church in Colossae, this church plant, acknowledging Epaphras' work and what he's trying to encourage them to is, we have not ceased to pray for you that the knowledge of the Lord, 
the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you may be filled with that. When we're filled with the knowledge of what God has done in our own life, yes, that saves us. That is saving faith when we believe what Christ has done on our behalf. It leads to our salvation, our conversion. We're made new, the scripture promises us. And then it's what drives us forward onto mission. See, when we're filled with the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his will, it moves us from saving faith to missional faith. What, what happens? Look what Paul says. He prays that we be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we might walk, so that we might move, and we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That we might, that manner worthy of the Lord is a manner that is with our eyes completely committed and focused on God, on what he is doing, fully invested. Just ask ourselves, is that what we are fully invested in? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else in your life will take proper perspective and place. Is that what you are invested in? By the way, friends, that doesn't mean that you don't go to work, that you don't go to the play date, that you don't spend time with your friends and your neighbors, you don't go out to dinner, that you don't, that, that's not what that means. That means that every single one of those things that you do, you do it with the mindset that this is kingdom work. That as I engage, as I work hard and I am faithful in the job and using the gifts that God has called me to do, I'm doing kingdom work in that moment because other people are seeing the evidence of Christ at work in my life. You know who's lazy or who's not lazy? You know who is a good steward of the resources that are entrusted to them? You know, you know who works the hardest? It's the Christian. That's what God would intend. And as we do that, as we effort, as we engage in all that God has given us and called us to, we do that for his glory alone. You want to know who's the most hospitable, the one who has the most joy, who welcomes the most, who cares for the neighbors, looks around for all those things. It's someone whose minds and thoughts are captivated by the kingdom of God and everything they do for the glory of God. That's what it means to live for the glory of God. It doesn't mean that we stop doing what we're doing. We gather in this place seven days a week, sing Kumbaya and never engage in the world. That's not mission. So that we might be filled with the knowledge of his will so that we might walk so we might move, we might engage in the world and do so with a kingdom mindset, fully pleasing to him, it says. Hearts and eyes constantly focused on honoring Christ. In all of your relationships, does honoring Christ, personal holiness, reflecting Christ, does it impact the way we live? This is what it means to be on mission, how we live and when we do that, the word of God promises us that as we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, we will bear fruit in every good work. We will bear fruit. In a few weeks, maybe a little bit sooner, we're going to start to see the fruit on our vines. We'll start to see the grapes. The leaves are there. There may be a few buds on some of the early bloomers. But in a few weeks, we'll start to see that fruit. Why will there be fruit? Because the plant is doing what God intends it to do. The plant has roots that collect nutrients from the soil. The soil is prepared. All of the things that are in place, it's doing exactly what God made it to do. You ask yourself, I don't sense like, I don't feel like I'm ever bearing fruit in my life. I don't see the fruit of the gospel. 
Love, patience, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I don't see those things. Why? More than likely, it's because you're not doing what God created you and built you to do, which was to focus on the kingdom and to live for him. And when we do that in all of our life, in all of our interactions, we will bear fruit. We'll see the impact of our ministry. And ultimately, that will lead increasing in the knowledge of God. His glory will fill our hearts and minds even more. We do this all, as it says in verse 13, for the sake of the gospel. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light. He has delivered us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has done that. That's the gospel message. He has taken us and he has moved us through our faith in Christ and transferred us into this new place. And as citizens of this new kingdom, everything about our lives changes. So as we think about Church Planning Sunday, and I want to get practical with you and just help you along in understanding our efforts collectively. Yes, we do this collectively as a church. Some of that is through our giving and finances. Other of us, this is more of a labor. And we've got to begin to live on mission and see the gospel and building the kingdom as our primary purpose. If we think back to Epaphras, taught by Paul, the gospel comes to him. He goes back to Colossae to take the gospel message. The thing that we can know about Epaphras Although we don't know much, but we can know one thing for sure. He recognized that it wasn't about him. This is one of the greatest challenges to Western culture. I'm not talking just about Christianity and the kingdom and the work of God and the church. So often, everything that we look at in life, it's all about me. The way we engage, the things we do, it's what's going to serve me, what's going to accomplish my purpose, what do I want And like Epaphras, we've got to become people who recognize it's not about me. It's not at all about me. This is why one of the reasons that we talk about and have a plurality of leadership in our church, a plurality of elders who lead our church, is because it's not about me as the guy that's called to give all the preaching. It's not about Pat. It's not about any one of us. It's not about Heath. It's about the kingdom of God. And we don't want it to rest on one man because here's the reality. When it's not all about me, guess what we can do? We can multiply and we can celebrate and have joy and we can have endurance and we can have patience. What does this say? We'll look again at the text. As we're strengthened with power according to his glorious might, this is verse 11, for all endurance and patience with joy. Think about the last thing that you endured. The last thing you had to be patient over. Did you do that with joy? I can just tell you that very rarely, that's that's one I struggle with. I am not patient. My poor family endures that lack of patience on a regular basis. And I don't have patience with joy. I want what I want, and I want it now as the little girl in uh, Willy Wonka. Thank you. What's her name? Somebody help me. Yeah. Yes. Baruch Salt. There's a band after that, too. Sorry, that was a whole other... That was for free. That's, don't, don't listen to that band. All right, anyway, but that's what I... That's, we don't have that. But as a plurality of elders, as we endure, as we work, as we serve, as we try to bring the gospel to bear here in this community and around the world and all that we're called to do, we do it with joy. 
And guess what else we can have patience and endurance with and joy when we multiply? Can you imagine one day being able to send out from our own body a people, a pastor, a group of people to leave this place and go somewhere else? College or seniors that are in the room, you're going off to college. I want to encourage you, exhort you, plead with you. When you go to college, first of all, get plugged into a church. But when you get time to graduate and you're ready to move on in the world, I want you to find a church planner and say, I'm going with you. I'm going to be a veterinarian somewhere. I might as well be a veterinarian where there's a church being planted. I might as well get on board with what God is doing in the world and be, serve my role, be a part of that. We just were able to hire Caleb as our new student minister. We all love him. He's going to be here for a little while. But one day, in the Lord's kindness, we're going to say goodbye. We're going to send him out because God has gifted him and has called him. And he has a capacity to do more than just in this place. He's going to be trained and equipped. But someday, we're going to say goodbye to him. We're going to do it with joy. Yes, through tears, but with joy. This multiplication happens when we see the kingdom as the primary purpose. Our focus is not on ourselves, but on building the kingdom. And what's our role? You know, you're thinking about, well, I'm not going to, maybe I'm not going to. Don't say I'm not going to do anything, first of all, because then God will just, your whole day will be wrecked with that question or statement. But you might be thinking, well, what am I supposed to do right now? When is the last time you gathered with another believer or a few believers and you opened up the Bible, God's word, And you said, I'm not going to allow my head and my heart and my mind to be filled with the lies of the world, but I'm going to anchor myself to the truth of God's word. When's the last time you did that? Here at City Church, we call those fight clubs where we connect with one another. We have relationships, we fight sin together, and we fight for one another. And so through the friendships that God has given us, we connect with a couple of other believers, and we say, we're just going to commit to opening God's word together and letting that be an anchor for us, not just on Sunday mornings, but regularly. Is that a part of your daily life? When's the last time you opened up, you took your street, and you said, I need to know every single person that lives on my street. I need to know their names. I need to know their kids' names. I need to know where they're at in life. I kind of need to know a little bit about their spiritual condition. And you've begun to just pray for them, being the minister on your own street, caring for the souls and taking responsibility for that. That's not just for the elders of this church or the elders of any church. That's for us. God's word calls us a priesthood of believers. We've been called to this mission of building the kingdom of God. And as we do that, and this church grows, and those small groups, those fight clubs multiply, and they spin off from one another, we're going to see the kingdom of God being built here, and it's going to burgeon into a point where we're going to say, you've got to go. You've got to go somewhere else. In love, you've got to take the gospel to another community that needs another church. And that's what Acts 29 is all about, the church playing network, to mobilize us and to equip us and to give us the tools so that we can make that happen. So as we close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And I'm just going to, I want to invite us to spend just a few minutes in prayer asking God to show us, to reveal to us our place, our purpose, your purpose. How is it that you are to live this calling out? How has God gifted you, equipped you, and placed you in this community of faith so that the knowledge of his power, the knowledge of him, the knowledge of his glory might fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. What's what's our role to play? Each and every one of us has a role to play on that mission. 
God didn't save you to leave you where you were and just say you're good. He saved you, he redeemed you to call you to press forward and to be a part of what he is doing here on the earth. The accomplishment of that purpose. So let's pray. Just invite you to just begin. Take a moment to thank God for your own salvation. If you're a believer this morning, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that did not happen in a vacuum. That happened because someone brought the gospel message to you. Perhaps you can remember who that was. You know who that was. Give God glory. Thank God that you've been redeemed. That somebody was bold enough, had enough faith to share the hope of Christ with you. pray now for the church the church here at home city church our ministry our witness churches in our own community and others that we're connected to through our church planning network just ask for God's blessing upon his church God now to show you some areas in your own life where you can begin to bear more fruit. Perhaps we need to confess and repent that we've been a little bit too inwardly focused rather than allowing God to use us. God, I thank you for the hope of the gospel, a hope that transforms lives in your holiness and your righteousness. You would have been right to cast us out and condemn us forever, but because you are love, because of your grace and your mercy, you sent your son, our savior, Jesus, who laid down his life for us took on the penalty of sin, which is death for us, so that we might be transferred from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of your beloved Son, our Savior Jesus. Thank you for the gift of our salvation. I pray this morning that we might be renewed in our our vigor, our passion, our joy, in what you have done. Let us be in awe of the fact that you have saved us. And I pray that that awe, that excitement, the joy that we experience as being called 
your sons and your daughters would propel us forward to live with our hearts and minds focused on your kingdom. Help us, Lord Jesus, to seek your kingdom above all else. Help us have enough faith to seek the kingdom of God, knowing and trusting that everything else you will take care of in your perfect will. We do pray for the church. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are part of our church planning network all over the globe. We're thankful that our hearts right now in this very moment, there are hearts that are united by the Holy Spirit of God because of what you have done. We pray your blessings upon the church. We pray that you would continue to build your church. And we pray now that you would show us our part. Help us to be faithful to what you have called us to do. Help us to be the ministers of the gospel you've called us to, Lord Jesus. Here at home, some of us perhaps called to go. Wherever it is, Lord, we ask that you would just reveal it to us and give us faithful obedience. Help us, we pray. Reveal your will to us. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to sing now about the one hope of the world. And I pray as we sing these words, we might remember the hope that we have because of Christ. And that there are those people in the world who do not have that hope. It's our responsibility. They might live right next door to you. You know, Melissa has grown 116% in the last few years. Collin County is exploding with millions of people from all over the globe coming to our doorstep. They might not have the hope of Jesus. So as we sing about the hope we have, I pray it propels us and compels us in love to take that hope to the rest of the world. Let's stand and sing.
introduce you in the last few weeks to Mephibosheth on Easter Sunday and Epaphras, two names that we might not know so well, might not have been familiar with their stories, but I just want to imagine this for a moment. One day, when Tammy's with Jesus, Jesus is going to walk her over, and he's going to say, this is John, this is Susie, this is Amy, and they're going to, hey, we heard a story about this Tammy that was faithful and did what God had called her to do. And we're here because of your obedience. I don't know what, all of us have that same story. When we get to fellowship with Jesus, eternity, we're gonna meet people. Jesus is gonna introduce us to our brothers and sisters that he used us to pass down from generation to generation. We'll all in this room one day be dead. If Jesus doesn't return before then, there will be saints gathering here worshiping him because of the faithfulness of this body of believers. God is building his kingdom. He is surely doing it. And we get to be a part. And one day we'll meet people who because of that obedience, because of our faith, we'll be worshiping Jesus together by, side by side for all eternity. I don't know if what that stirs up in your soul. But I hope, I pray that it gives you a vision and excitement, a joy of what God is doing, what he has called us to, the opportunity that he's invited us. He doesn't have to use us at all, but he's said, I will. He's chosen to do that for some reason. What a gift that is. You can tell I'm very passionate about church planting. 
And so I went long, so parents, I'm gonna send you to get your kiddos right away as soon as we're dismissed here. But I do have three quick things I wanna share with you just about today. I already mentioned um, City Church 101. Come to lunch right now and uh, let's get to know one another. Second is this evening at five o'clock at Sean Gant's house. Sean is right in the back there. You can find her. Um, We are having a ladies night. I say we, I'm not invited to that, but ladies, you are. And uh, we just wanna encourage you to go hang out this evening at five o'clock, get to know some of your sisters in Christ. I reference fight clubs and connecting with one another. One of the reasons we do these social gatherings while we have community nights and all the things that we do, so you can build some relationships. You can say, hey, I'm friends with you. I, I kind of like hanging out with you. What if the three of us got together once a week and we opened up God's word together? And so that's how God builds these together. And so just look for that. And so uh, go hang out this evening. You can talk to Leanne Richardson as well, our women's minister, if you need some details about where Sean lives. And then guys, I know you were very jealous when I mentioned that the women had a gathering. And so not to leave you out, this Thursday we'll be right back here for a cornhole tournament, 6.30, okay? And so John Richardson and I, I think, are the defending champs of the uh, City Church Cornhole Tournament. And uh, that is purely based on my gifting, not his. Uh, no, I'm teasing. And uh, no, he's the one. He was the man. He, he hit every one of our shots a, a couple years ago when we got to do this. So bring that back, 6.30, Thursday night, 6.30 p.m., Thursday evening. Guys, come hang out up here. Same thing. We're going to have a great time, some cornhole going on, um, and just hang out together. So if I don't see you at lunch, love you. Thank you for your grace and your patience this morning, and we'll see you all back here next week. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.